In this episode, we interview Dr. Tom Husted. Tom graduated from West Point in the top 3% of his class and then graduated from Case Western University School of Medicine. As a retired Army colonel, highlights from his distinguished career include being awarded Flight Surgeon of the Year for his service in combat, Outstanding Faculty of the Year for his medical teaching, and board selection as department chair for a family medicine residency department. As a result of his appointment by the Army Surgeon General to be the face of military medicine and to recruit and share the Army medicine story, Tom recognized the need for the development and passion of teaching physicians across the country to be effectively engaged leaders. In his final appointment in the military, Tom was a commander and CEO of a NATO military medical facility at the Supreme Headquarters Allied Powers Europe in Belgium. With an emphasis on servant leadership, Tom's core conviction is that effective leadership is never about the leader, but is focused on creating a culture where those being led can flourish. Because of his interest in leadership development, in 2018, he co-founded the Referent Group. The Referent Group is a team seeking to develop better medical leaders through longitudinal workshops, programs, and coaching. In this episode, we discuss Dr. Tom Husted's journey to becoming a leader, as well as why he believes leadership development is crucial for the medical community to thrive in the future. We hope you enjoy this discussion with a leader in medicine, Dr. Tom Husted. Welcome to Leading the Rounds. Hey everybody and welcome to today's show of Leading the Rounds. We are so excited to have Dr. Thomas Husted today with us. Dr. Husted is the founder of the Referent Group, which is a leadership opportunity for physicians to get involved in. So Dr. Husted, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm um, really super excited to be with you and uh, something to talk. It's probably one of the most passionate things I could talk about. So it's good to be with you. That's awesome. We love people who are passionate, especially about leadership and definitely in medicine. So we wanted to start out the beginning of the discussion with you today, talking a little bit about your background and how you became a physician, how you got interested in leadership. So tell us a little about your path to becoming a physician. Yeah, it's a it's a little, maybe a little bit different. I actually didn't know I wanted to be a physician when I went to college and I, uh, I went to West Point, the, you know, the military Academy. And actually it's, you know, somewhere between my first and second year, I was in a training summer where we do a lot of different army things. And, uh, I wasn't very good shot on the range and was having to recycle through that a few times. And I had a friend who uh, who came out who was doing a medical student uh, rotation in one of our hospitals, and he started talking about medicine and being a physician. I thought, well, that sounds really cool. Since I can't fire a weapon very well, maybe I should look into that. So anyway, I'm, I'm a little bit in jest, but they just kind of turned me on to, to being a physician. And so my path became through West Point. I, I, I finished, and they let a small percentage go to medical school uh, out of out of the academy. And so I got a scholarship to do it through the army and spent um, four years at Case Western Reserve Medical School um, and then did my residency training in family medicine uh, in the military and then spent 20, 20 years after that uh, doing military medicine. So, um, and then the past three years I've been in uh, 
in a few different roles as seeing patients as a primary care doc and then with a kind of a chief medical officer, medical director role of a medical group at a hospital system in Kentucky. So it's been a lot of in between that, uh, which we can, you know, get into a little bit more. I've done um, the reason I've gotten excited about leadership to kind of answer the second part of your question is uh, I probably, there probably wasn't a time in my career that I wasn't asked to lead. Uh, and even as a resident, I was a chief resident. So, you know, and didn't have a clue, you know, what I was, what I was doing, but as a, as a leader per se. And then from the moment I, you know, went out and started practicing as a family medicine doc, I was doing full scope family medicine, OB, inpatient, everything. But I was also a flight surgeon for a, for a medical battalion that deployed to Iraq. And then I was a uh, medical director for a, a academic um, residency program. So I was faculty teaching residents, but I was also the in charge of the clinic that had, you know, 40 some odd providers because we had such a big um, family medicine residency program. And so again, leading a clinic that I had no idea what I was doing, you know, and, and trying to figure that out, but doing it, right? And then, so continue different jobs uh, through the Army to include being a department, ultimately being, being an apartment chair of a residency program down the line, leading that, but teaching and, and, and doing medicine full scope. Uh, but it was really, honestly, it was when I was about seven years ago, I was asked to be the recruiter for physicians for the, for the Army. Um, so basically across the nation, kind of the, you, we want you as the doc to go out across the nation, help recruit physicians for the army, both directly to come in, but a lot of it, just the scholarships, the one similar to what I use. And maybe you guys have heard of it, the HPSB scholarship, or you can use that to go through medical school and then come in as an, as an army uh, physician. So what really turned me on was I was going out to a lot of different undergrads, uh, prior to med even medical school, and then even residency programs uh, and to be able to get in and talk about the scholarship. But what I would do is I'd say, hey, let me come in and give you at least a little bit of a lecture so that we can, I can help give you something, then I'll tell you about the scholarship. And so I chose a lot of leadership topics. Um, and it was in doing those topics that I would have numerous people come up to me afterwards and say, why do we never get that training in medicine? What, you know, that, what you're saying, I love to hear what you're saying, but that's not what we have in medicine. No one leads like that. We don't get teaching on leadership. We don't get any of that. It's so, that's so valuable. We need, we need more of that. Will you come back? And it hit me. That's truly where it hit me. Hey, we have to do a better job of training, developing, and growing our physicians to lead. Um, now, you know, fast forward a few years and I'm, you're seeing more and more burnout of physicians. We hear more about that. And I, and I just feel like a, Part of that is lack of leadership. We're not being able to do the things that we should be doing to influence medicine and the culture of medicine. And so I thought, I'm thinking even just to address the issue of burnout, we need to be teaching leadership. Uh, so that's a very long-winded answer to a very simple question, but it's, you know, it's been 27 years since I started my journey in medicine and um, it's led me to here to whoever's talking about leadership and what we're doing for, for physicians, let's do it, you know, in any way we can. So I love that you guys are doing it as medical students. You're like 27 years ahead of me, 20, <laughs> you know, so outstanding. Well done. 
Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate that. Peter and I also agree that we kind of see a niche here where there's not really any teaching in medical school curriculum about this topic. And, and like you mentioned, physicians are just thrown into these leadership roles as soon as they jump into practice. Sure. So, so kind of going along with that, when did you start to get, start to learn about leadership yourself and start to learn these lessons that, you know, you mentioned when you were starting being a leader, you didn't know what you were doing. And so what kind of helped you learn leadership and what were some of the things that you did to learn? I think first and foremost, it was just having to be in positions of leadership. So that was, you know, and, and I would encourage young starting physicians, medical students, residents to find ways to get involved in ways that where they're required to lead. Um, whether it's a committee in your medical school, well, whatever that is, uh, what, certainly in residency, you can, residents can be involved in different hospital committees and things. We just get involved uh, and have to kind of put yourself out there and do some things. So first and foremost is, is Lee, you know, get in and do it. Um, the, and it's through the, for me, it was through the experiences of leading that I realized how hard it was. <laughs> leadership isn't easy. You know, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. It's, it's hard. Leadership is hard because it means, hopefully it means you're having to do a, a whole lot more work to help others succeed. You're, it's not just all about you. It's about all the people you're leading. So that requires a lot of work and it requires um, a lot of sacrifice, quite honestly. So, you know, doing that is, 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 and, and struggling through that failing, succeeding is, is the way you're going to learn. Um, hopefully we can start to do some things where we give some tools to physicians, medical students, so that when they're thrust into these roles, they feel a little bit more confident about how to do it. I think you made a really good point there too, Tom, about how, um, being in a leadership role is also being in a role of service to others. I wanted to ask you to expand on this. Um, and I totally agree that the only, the only way to really learn leadership is to be in a position of leadership. But last episode that we did, we talked about essentialism and how, how to really choose the things that matter to you. Sure. So I'm just curious, how did, how did you choose the things that, that mattered to you most during your leadership development? Yes, that's, that's a, I read that. If you read that, it was the book you're talking about essentialism. I, I just actually read that fairly recently myself. And that is a huge problem because for me, I, I want to help in every way I can. So I end up overextending. Uh, and so that's a, that's a great point. So how, do you, how did I choose? Um, it was, for me, the choice was picking jobs that I really wanted to do. So what, what was I, what was it something? So that's, it's, that seems fairly simple, but my father was a career army officer and he, he told me when I started my career, he said, look, you're going to have people tell you, you have to do this job to be successful, to be promoted, to get this award, to get this, whatever it is, kind of succession. And, and you'll, you'll be told you have to check this box, right? To be, if you want to be a department chair, you want to be a CEO or whatever, you got to do X, Y, Z. For the military is if you want to be the next promotion, if you want to be a commander, you got to do X, Y, Z. But he, what he told me was, and this is what I would, share is do jobs that he said do pick a job that you love and you're passionate about do it really well with integrity and let the other things fall you know as they may so if if you do that you're going to be fine no matter what job you pick even if it's not the job that's setting you up if you do it and you do it really well and you're 
with a good work ethic and you're committed to with excellence and you do it with high integrity, um, people notice that and you're, and you're going to end up succeeding and you'll be a much better leader because you're doing something that you want to do. So I, I would encourage people as they're choosing their path through leadership, pick those things that, um, that you're excited about, you know? I think it's an awesome answer. I a hundred percent agree with it. Like it was definitely one of the things I struggled with when I came to medical school, but I also wanted to ask you a question kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. What is one time that you felt that you struggled with, you know, in a, in a position of leadership at any point in your career? And what was sure. the lesson that you learned from that? Yeah, that's, I love the question because I think actually, actually in reflection of the, our failures and successes, but in reflection of those things, is where we truly uh, will learn. Unfortunately, I probably have a lot of different episodes where I can tell you that I failed. I mean, it's just it's just so hard to lead. You're gonna, and if you're doing it, you're going to make mistakes. And there was plenty of times where I was like, oh man, I wish I'd done that better. I'll give you as specific an example as I can. And it's actually a little bit, quite honestly, it's a little bit embarrassing to tell you this, but I was probably two thirds of the way through my career you know West Point medical training I've been out and I'm doing um, I'm working at West Point actually I'm coming back as a physician and I was the physician that was in charge of the cadet health clinic and also the um, I, I worked for the superintendent the commandant the dean of the academy to, to help guide them on all things medical and decisions that they're making uh, about the academy and, and our commander of our hospital would be a CEO of our hospital. So that was kind of my role. And I was also supposed to run the clinic. And oh, by the way, I was also seeing patients. So a lot of different hats that I was wearing. Uh, so I was very busy. But again, I am just nearly a lieutenant colonel, which is a good two thirds of the way through, through my career. I finished that assignment and I reflected on myself as a leader and thought, man, Tom, you stink as a leader. And here's why. I was so busy. I mean, busy, 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 busy for three years to the point where I'm going, I mean, we're, I start seeing patients at five thirty, six o'clock in the morning because that's what we do in the military. And then I'm working late, late to finish all those other things. And, um, and I'm on call at the hospital, all those other things. And what I realized was I, I didn't want to burden the physicians that were in my clinic. And we had an outstanding physician who was a civilian, not an army, uh, our officer, but a civilian outstanding physician who had been there for a long time. And if I had just taken the time to empower that doctor and give that doctor, you know, reign to, to lead and that she could have led that clinic better than I could ever have led that clinic, which would have offloaded a Tommy, but I didn't want to, as a leader, I was thinking I was burdening her maybe like, I don't know, that's my job. I don't want to burden you. But yet what I wasn't doing was empowering her and giving her the freedom to lead, which she would have the time, she had the, she had the expertise, she had all that. And I, I think her clinic would have been better. I could have done better in other things because it would have freed me up. So my point is, I truly look at it as a time where, huh, how am I as a leader helping set up the people that I'm leading for success so that it's not about me and what's happening with me? It wasn't that I wanted the success of the notoriety. It's just... I wasn't giving away the ability for others to succeed. And that's, that's when I learned I need to do everything I can so that it's about watching the people that I'm leading succeeding. And when you, do, when you start to look at it that way, that's what I was talking about 
Peter, when I was telling you, it's this sense of service. It's a sense of how do I let others succeed and shine? And, and if they do, guess what? We're all going to succeed. That was, I truly think that was a, a tipping point for me to realize I can be a much, much better leader if I can do that. Um, since I feel like I really failed at that for those three years. I think that's a really great idea. And I think that's something that a lot of leaders struggle with because I would say a lot of leaders are very type A and very control and focused people. And so they want it done, you know, their way. They have this big vision and they're very specific with how they want it. And to be able to let things go and realize that, you know, someone else might have a slightly different way they do something, but they have other creative, you know, ways to, to get around a problem and they might do it just as well a different way. And so to just let go of control a little bit is something that I think, like you mentioned, is super important, but it's often difficult to do. Yeah, well said. Well said. I, I want to add on to that too. I think a lot of people are afraid of um, losing recognition for the work that they do. Um, and I think that that sort of mindset is kind of, uh, it's something you have to ditch if you want to be a leader. Because, you know, being a leader means you manage people and do, they're doing a lot of the work too. So not everything is, you know, your responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. Again, if you, I, I say it often, but, you know, repetition is truly where you, people start to say, hey, is this what, this is what you believe in. And it's, if leadership is not about you, it really, if it's about you, you're probably in it for the wrong reasons. Leadership is, is about the people you're leading. And when they can be in a culture environment, have the resources and things to be successful, you're going to be successful um, a whole lot more. Because now, I think, Caleb, you mentioned it. It's not just your ideas. It's, that's one person. But now you're getting the ideas and the work and the, the innovation of, of however many people are under you. It could be thousands. could be a couple. It could be hundreds. Who knows, you know? So we, we mentioned the kind of struggle you've had with leadership. I want to give you a moment to talk about maybe a highlight about your time as a physician and as a medical leader. I know you're very passionate about leadership. And what are some of the things that, that you've really loved about leading in medicine and maybe a highlight about that? Yeah, yeah that, yeah, I, I, it probably, it, it probably actually dovetails pretty nicely with what I thought my biggest failures were is, I've had opportunities since that to be able to lead. And by far my highlight was my last duty assignment in the, in the army. And I was able to be a, a commander or slash in, in the civilian world, be basically a CEO of a NATO international health facility in Belgium. Um, and that role is for me was by far the highlight. And the, here's the reason why was it was a, a very different approach. My approach was um, going back to my reflections of how can I set up a culture where everybody feels empowered to be a part of it, everybody feels empowered to have a voice and something. And, and I walked into a, a clinic where we were able to change a culture and, and we changed it. And it was kind of getting back to what we were talking about what I tried to share with them from the very beginning and say over and over and over again is look, this is where we're going. And we would give them, here's our, here's our guidance. We have very clear directives where we have to go and things that we have to accomplish, but here's the things that we have to do. Now I want you from every level to lead in a way that looks towards our objectives. These are our most important priorities. One, two, three. And as long as it's on the, you know, on the left side, as long as it's 
um, not moral, un, immoral or unethical. And on the right side, as long as it doesn't affect patient safety, make a decisions and do and lead and, 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 you know, whatever you need to do. And I will underwrite the risk. You know, it's on the commander, I'm the CEO. I'll take the risk. If it doesn't work great, fine. We learn from it and we do something different. Um, but all of a sudden some of our lowest what level medics, which would be like a, an MA in, in a clinic, we're coming up with phenomenal ideas that we were highlighting them and then letting them run with it. And, and, and we were getting better because we were getting input from so many different levels within the organization. And our, we, so we have a bunch of different surveys. So it, you know, they measure culture and they measure safety and they measure, you know, um, morale and different things like that. But over those few years, you saw just a dramatic change in our surveys. And so for me, that was a huge highlight. And again, it wasn't about any successes I had at Commander. I got to watch one after another person succeed and do well. And then I watched these officers that, that I, I got to, you know, coach and mentor and, and work with. Now they're still excelling. I still get to, I, I just got a, you know, uh, a messenger from one of them yesterday that said, Hey, this is what I, I got this iron major thing. And uh, another one that got promoted early and, and it's just fun to watch that and be a part of that um, with a whole different mentality of how to lead. So that was certainly a highlight um, because you can, when you lead, you can affect the culture and that affects the ability of the people within your culture to, uh, to enjoy it, succeed or not potentially. Right. So I learned a Yiddish word for that this past weekend. Um, do you, do you speak Yiddish Dr. Husted? I don't. <laughs> not many people do, but the Yiddish word for that feeling is nachas. <laughs> I don't speak Yiddish either. My girlfriend's family uh, knows a little bit, but um, it's, it's interesting that other cultures have uh, like one word to capture that really complex feeling that leaders have. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Um, so we want to kind of transition into, uh, we've kind of already started talking about leadership training specifically and why it's valuable. And you mentioned that, um, you know, nothing really exists in the medical curriculum these days that addresses leadership training to the degree that you feel that it needs to. Um, but beyond that, I wanted to know, why do you believe physician needs leadership training? Yeah, the, for me, it, I, I, I touched on it in the beginning. What's, what pushed me to it initially was I was watching really even in the military we're, we're leadership again you know we're supposed to be officers leaders right i mean just inherently but you never really until you start doing some of the things that that we're talking about some reflection and and and, and self-study and then some other more formal activities um you're not going to probably grow and that and i was a great example of that and so what i was what i was seeing even in the military and then obviously when i told you i was recruiting outside of the the military was people who wanted to leave medicine. Um, they, and maybe even hadn't been doing it that long, which is what was really concerning to me. They were already burnt out, kind of tired of the bureaucracy or tired of the admin or whatever it was, right? And they were looking for ways to get away from clinical medicine. That might've been in a, in a different realm. It might've been even leadership potentially, like gets, you know, or it might've been completely outside of medicine. Um, but it, it bothered me because these were good young physicians um, and, and, and older physicians who've been around a while. That was the first thing. Um, the second 
was, as I was doing more research about this topic and how do you address it, and it's particularly when I got out of the military and looking in, in the, the world, the civilian world, um, was the unrest in medicine. There's just a lot of tension and a lot of unrest and, a lot, and it stems, and I see it every day, it stems from this tension between administration, because many, many physicians now are not self-employed. They don't run, they're not independent doctors. We've gone to, I think near 80% are employed. And so you have this tension between administration and the employed doctor, where I, I, I feel to me it's a loss of autonomy, maybe a loss of even respect, value, more of a widget, and it depends on what organization you're in. But so for me, those two things really drove me to say, hey, if we can get docs to have a voice where they feel like I can, I can influence, I have some, I feel comfortable now, I've been given a little bit of tools, I understand what it means to lead, I've got some basic understanding of who I am as a leader, how do I work with others, then maybe we can solve this problem. And it's a, you know, it's, it's a huge problem to think that that's going to be the answer. But I spent a lot of time in looking through the medical literature at, at burnout, at this different stuff and what was successful and wasn't. And I kept coming back to leadership being one of those, um, one of those most things that could really make a difference. So uh, that's really what has pushed me for this to become my passion, if that, if that answers the question. Yeah, no, those are two ideas that I think are very popular in the medical literature today. And people talk about them all the time is the fact that there's so much burnout going on. And then also, most people don't tie them together. But another thing people often talk about is, is how we have, you know, hospitals getting into these big corporations that are run by business people and not run by medical leaders. And, and I haven't heard this idea been brought together many times, but I love that you were taking that stance and kind of bringing that up that, you know, maybe one of the reasons that we see so much burnout is that disconnection between the administration and the physicians and not having physicians and leadership positions can contribute to this. Yeah. Well, one example, and this is a very simple um, statistic, and we read it uh, somewhere along the line and all the things I was reading to, to your point was, if you take an idea from a leader and you share that with a physician, they are likely to incorporate or accept it or engage in it or align with it 16% of the time if it's a non-physician. So if you've got your hospital administration, non-clinical, maybe 16% of the time they say, yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I'm on board with you. 64% of the time, if it's a physician, that's a pretty dramatic difference. Wow. So and this was, you know, one statistic that I read, but I think it's fair that you, it's, we kind of inherently know we're more likely to align with another physician. So I, that's why, to me, that, I mean, burnout is such a strong thing, but it, but it comes because you're not aligned and don't feel valued and don't feel like you have a voice and don't feel like you're, you know, important in making those decisions and you and covid has brought this out to the max you know in the sense that all of a sudden physicians are like hey i need a voice we know how to we need to be the ones answering this no one knows anything about this but at least we have clinical background we need to be the ones and we're watching in our organization 
it make a massive difference. Those are physicians leading through it for us to be successful. So, um, and, and people and our physicians are much more on board because we've put physician leaders at every level to make these decisions. And I, I just wanted to plug here. Um, I know you did an episode with Cal Walters on his podcast about leading, leading during chaos in COVID-19. Right. So I would suggest that any, any of our listeners who want to hear more about Dr. Husted's uh, ideas on leading in chaos, go listen to Cal Walters' uh, podcast. I thought that was a particularly good episode too. Um, but I wanted to kind of get into something you were touching on, which is uh, you mentioned how physicians were more amenable to changing their style of leadership when given leadership principles. And this is kind of getting into maybe some of the work you do with the referring group, referring group, but maybe you could provide us with some examples of this that was using that study that you referenced or tell us kind of what, what leadership training is to you. Yeah. So as, as I was getting into this, the question became, well, how do how does, how do I impact it? I, I want to make a difference. I, I've, I've been able to do a lot of different things. It's kind of put me at this place in my life where, where can I, how can we make a difference here? Um, and through the research, what, what we, and I, I kind of teamed with a partner of mine, um, Todd Nail, and we, and we not, he was, he's not a physician, but he started things and, he was more of a, would be a great coach for us, which we can talk about, but he would just listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. These are the issues um, that are going on. And he, and, and I would just share, these are what I'm thinking and here's what I'm thinking. And it was where we came to was, and this is looking at the literature as well. It needs, there needs to be some form of longitudinal leadership. So a lot of people are spending a lot of money on leadership training. You'll see it. It's, it's out there everywhere. They're trying it, right? But what you see is people going to a conference for, for a few days, or maybe someone, a keynote speaker comes on for, I don't know, maybe an hour, maybe four hours, maybe two days. I don't know, but they bring someone, they spend a lot of money on that and people feel good for a few days, maybe a week. And then the majority, and you, you know what I'm talking about, that you forget most of it and they get back into what you're doing and you're just, it, it, it's gone. And there's very little that sticks. So there needs to be some, in, in our mind, there has to be some form of longitudinal basis to it. And then there needs to be times where you're reflecting and you're doing. So you're doing it, you learn a little bit, you do it, hopefully you do it. Maybe you succeed, maybe you fail. Awesome. You can learn from both. You reflect on that. And then we, we thought the incredibly important part was coaching. So then you, and then you talk through it with a coach who can give you some tools that can help you work through those things and then come back and do another session. And so each of our, you know, so then you spend another four hours or whatever learning another concept and growing, apply, reflect, coach, come back. And so some examples of where that has, what we've seen through that is to be specific is we've had a few physicians who have said, I mean, one of them straight up came up to us and said, this course changed my life. You know, it, it, understood and it was really a very simple thing of understanding um how to communicate and interact with others based on how their communication patterns were they just thought other people were you know just now they're, they're just stupid or or jerks or whatever when they didn't understand truly that's just a different communication style and once they were able to get past that it opened up uh, enlightening 
we had another, and, and usually it takes time before you get there. You know, it's not like it's one time, but you, you get that and you change because you have to keep doing it and keep learning it and keep ingraining that in you. And then we had another uh, physician who just gave them a sense of, I can lead. I now feel like I can lead. I've been given and I will lead and I want to lead. And I'm, you know, before I didn't even know where to start. And now we've given you a few tools and a few things that you can feel like, ah, this is where I start. And I do have it in me. And, and, and I don't have to just sit back and let, not have a voice in what's going on that I'm concerned about. Um, so longitudinal reflection, coaching, um, doing, those things are, are in, to, to us imperative in that leadership journey. I really appreciate the idea of having a coach. Um, one of the physicians that I think has been really influential that I love always reading his work is Atul Gawande. And he gave a TED talk once about getting better at something. And he said, most people, they just try to do it on their own so long, but just having a coach there to see things that you can't see, to see what you're doing in a different way can help people improve and get better so much faster. So I love that idea of having a coach to kind of work through things with you. Yeah, some of the greatest breakthroughs we've had have, hap have happened between our sessions in the coaching um, where, where people are. And, and some, some happen in the class, some happen with tools. It, it, ha it can happen for anybody at a different time, but it's going to take different ways of teaching and different things will, will, will connect with a different person as um, and you never know what that's going to be. Uh, so doing, providing as many different ways as possible is important. So kind of going along with that and adding on to it, how much do you think leadership training should be self-directed versus reaching out to others and having a formalized curriculum or a coach or things like that? Obviously a coach, a formalized curriculum is super vital if you have access to those resources, yeah. But how much do you think is self-directed and as opposed to those other options? I think it's a good, it, ha, it has to be a combination of, of both um, because in the, in the self-directed part, I think you have to be ready to spend some time reflecting um, on the things that you're either reading or that you're learning, if it's formalized or if it's you know, a book or whatever. Uh, and so, and then once you've been able to get into a pattern that you're willing to do it yourself, read, reflect to really grow, hopefully a little bit of formalized training will give you the, those, those toolkit that's the tools in the toolkit. And then the coaching that will, will really help you become a better, a better leader. I mean, I mean, the example of myself, even of spending 15 years, doing leadership, doing different things. And it wasn't until, so I was doing it somewhat self-directed. Some of it was even directed. The army was saying, Hey, I'm going to send you an offer for basic course. I'm going to send you an advanced course. I'm going to send you these different courses. They kind of teach, they teach leadership, they teach management, but it wasn't until I was ready to reflect and really learn from my mistakes and my failures. I mean, and my successes and whatever it was and how can I be better that before I started really growing as a leader, I think that's where the formalized part comes in. That's that little kick to, Hey, let's, let's, let's force you. Let's hold you accountable to being, to growing as a leader. So 
that's what we want to do. We want to, for those who don't even know they want to be leaders, I want to reach those that don't even know that that they want to be a leader. Um, That maybe they've only been in medicine for a year, but they're already frustrated. And no one's tagged them as being the next chief medical officer, the next CEO. They're just a, you know, that's, uh, that's who you want to reach, you know, and force them like here, learn these things because whether you know it or not, as a physician, you are a leader. They are looking to you the moment you come out of probably residency, you know, residency, you know, but as soon as you start that first job, especially if you're employed and even if you're an independent, whoever you hire, they're looking to you as a leader. What are you doing as a leader to do that? And so just getting them to acknowledge that. And, you know, in medicine, what do we learn? We learn, I tell you what to do, you do it. That's leadership. You know, that's kind of like the military. It's because I outrank you, you do what I do. You tell you do what I tell you to do. Well, that's a very, very primitive form of power, right? Um, and not very strong uh, leadership. If that's the only kind of power you can use, which is tell someone to do because you have authority over them. And often as physicians, we we think we have authority over whoever is we're telling to do, the nurse, the whoever, the medical student, the resident, just do it because I said you have to do it. There's a whole lot more to that. And that's what I want to unpack with with our with our physicians is how can we do it in a real in a positive way and we can influence culture and we can influence the way things happen and we can feel good about that. Um, so I, I think that uh, when we can combine that with a little bit of self-direction, ready to reflect, formalize it, maybe push them a little bit, hopefully push them a little bit. We've had some people go our program who didn't really want to do it. Uh, in fact, I, one of the docs said after very, very, very much introverted and said, uh, I came to three lessons, three sessions. And I was like looking for an excuse not to come back because it was a lot of that first few, well, a lot of our initial lessons are how do you lead self? That requires a lot of self-reflection. What's your journey like? What have you, what are the things that have affected your core values and your care? You know, what are important to you? Because that influences you as a leader. I can tell you, I can tell you right now, here are the, here's what Tom Houston says it is to be a good leader. Cause this is what I've done, but that doesn't mean you're going to be a good leader doing that because it may not be you. You may be a great leader, but you do it in a different way. So there, so this person was like, I don't, this was too much and I don't want to talk and, you know, I'm introverted and we're sharing and came back. And by that fifth or sixth session, all of a sudden blossomed into, I want to lead. I want to be a leader. I want to make a difference. And I mean, to me, that's, that's what we're, that's what it's about is how do we, how do we, how do we bring that out? And sometimes it's forcing the formalized to make them do the self-directed if that, if that makes sense. I really liked your message about trying to reach those who don't even feel like they can be leaders, um, particularly because I, I think I felt like an underdog for a very, very long time. And it's only until recently that I'm kind of breaking out of that shell or that mindset of being an underdog. Um, so I appreciate that and in, 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 I guess your methodology. Um, so then this brings us to another question kind of related. If Tom Husted were to design a leadership curriculum for medical students, what would that look like? Yeah, well, I mean, it would, it's, I, I can tell you what we're doing and I, it's been amazingly successful and it's come from probably a year of just developing, looking at literature, seeing what makes a difference and then 
you got to have good teachers. And so we've combined with some excellent leadership teachers who have led, been leaders and have taught and are educated PhD in you know, leadership and taught at West Point in leadership, all kinds of been in a lot of different places. So it requires good teachers because um, it's not just facilitating, so to speak, it's teaching and, and it can be taught. So for, for me, it looks like, and I've shared a little bit of it, but I'll be more specific. To me, it looks like this. To grow as a leader, let's, let's teach, let's start with leading self. Let's spend some time on who are you? What are your core values? What's meaningful to you? What has shaped you? Um, because that's who you are as a leader and that's how you will interact with others. So let's spend a little bit of time on that and let's talk through that. When, was, when were you your best self? You know, when did you, what, what would, when would somebody else say that you were your best self? Things were, okay, let's, let's form that you were and you were a good leader. So we spend some time on that. Um, about, and I would say probably third, third, third is the way I'm, well, I'll break it down. And then we move from that into, okay, you understand who you are as a leader. And that's a lot of relational stuff. That's, a, I mean, there's not a lot of like meaty stuff, but a lot of relational things that you're working through. And then who are you? How do you lead others? How do you interact with others? How do you lead others? And we'll do some personality profiles. We happen to use DISC. There are a lot out there that you could use, but we'll do some profiles that help you. How do you communicate with others? That's been hugely um, successful for some it's they have breakthrough on how they can interact with others where they thought they could never do it uh, really really powerful fun stuff to do so we spent another third of the class how do you lead others and there's different parts of that is you know what are bases of power like i was talking about what are some expectancy there's some things in there but we use it will you know we we'll, a lot of what is taught is not i think i said it yet this is not what tom houston says is important it's not what Simon Sinek, it's not what one person says is the way to lead. It is more, you are going to figure out the best way for you to lead. And here are some general ways for us to get you there. And leading others is, 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 is we start working through that. Um, and it's been, that's been a real breakthrough point for people uh, where they start to get excited about actually leading. And then the final part of that is uh, leading organizations. So now that we've, you've kind of gone through that, now how do you fit into an organization that you can start to change an organization, gets to the point, changing culture, um, making a difference. How do you, how do you impact the, the organization? You're in? And it may be at a small level. Maybe it's just in your clinic. Maybe it's the department. Um, maybe it's at the highest levels. But we go through that, and that, that organizational piece is, is pretty powerful as well. People start to really get an idea of, where they can fit and how they can make a difference. And that's ultimately where, where I wanna see our physicians get to is, is have a voice, be a positive influence for change and affect some of these issues that we're seeing in medicine. Because if we can get physicians engaging with leaders at all levels of medicine, man, we're gonna be a whole lot happier um, and probably a whole lot more effective. And maybe we'll keep doctors in medicine, you know, and not, not driving, they're not leaving, or they're not recommending it to their kids, or whatever it is. Some of those statistics that you kind of see out there um, that are concerning to us. So that's how it would look for me. In it would have to, and again, it would have to be in between every session. I, I spoke about before. It's so important. This occurs. I mean, it's certainly ideally it's a lifelong journey, but you know, you can't, you don't necessarily have time for formalized teaching lifelong. Maybe you come and go, but 
We happen to do it over about a seven month period. You can get 10 sessions, maybe every three. That's how we're doing it. 10 sessions over three weeks, you know, building in between though assignments to read some books, potentially excerpt some papers um, and then coaching. And the coach, that's where top has a big role, can take some of these tools and then help them work through the things that we've been teaching. So make it more practical for them and, and, and do some. And so a lot of our teaching, if you looked at the slides, you're like, huh, what do you teach? You know, it, it may be a picture, it may be whatever, but it's, we do a lot of case studies to apply to, to make it, I mean, that's, that's why we remember from, you know, a lot of things we remember about what we learn in medicine is through our patients, right? And through morning report or whatever, because it can apply as opposed to just reading Harrison's. You know, some people have a photographic memory to read Harrison's, they remember it all, but I didn't. Um, so, you know, case studies are valuable, excerpts from books, um, some theories, uh, video clips, TED Talks, you, know, you mentioned a TED Talk that you saw, um, maybe even a movie. We watch a few movies and we talk through that, or at least a clip of a movie. So lots of those things that you can connect and then you talk through. And our class are very interactive. We have people talking to them, talking to each other. So when they come out of the class, it's not just this program that we've put up, but they've also using each other as they go out um, of the class and start to create this bond where, hey, I'm not doing this by myself either. Let's do it together and let's change our culture together. But that would be ideal for me. That's, that's, um, we, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to do that. It's been amazingly successful so far. We'll tweak it as we see. We're, you know, we've considered doing um, a, and we are going to try it where we do a conference even. So you send people away for three days or whatever. In some ways that's good because you can get away, get away from work just like when you go to a conference. We focus on that, but then continue the next seven months, even virtually, you know, especially with COVID and things like that, where you can, this cohort can come back together and once a month do a class, once a month do a coaching, and then maybe some elective types, you know, difficult conversations, some of those things that people will want, those typical topics, throw some of those in there as well. Cultural, how do you change culture, things like that. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that to potentially could do it, as long as it has that, those pieces that we were talking about, we could do it in different ways. but. Um, it's, it's, it's really exciting. I think, uh, there are a few others out there doing it. Not many. I mean, to your point, you, you mentioned, um, the more we can get doing it, the better, the more places, the fact that you guys are even talking about it, hopefully you'll be doing it, you know, um, is right now. It's just, I had a, I had a biochemistry teacher at, um, no organic chemistry teacher at West Point. And, he used to say, as an old guy, and he said, it, was this, it warms the cockles of my heart to see you understand this. Well, to see you guys doing this, <laughs> it excites me beyond belief to see we got this happening with medical students already. So uh, that, that's awesome. We, we appreciate hearing that, Dr. Husted. Yeah, we really do. And it sounds like you have a great program and methodology for going about leadership. And hopefully that'll continue to expand to medical schools so that medical students can start to think about this before they're thrown into these positions. But right now what we see in medical schools is, is not a lot of people have this. And yeah. so if, if you were going to go back to medical school or, or if you were going to think about how to advise a medical student to start to think about these things and to start to do some things to prepare them to be a better leader when they get into practice. What would be a couple things that you would suggest to them? Yeah. I, I mean, man, the absolute medical school is actually a perfect 
place to do what I'm talking about because you could easily put that into once a month. Hey, let's do, we got four hours and we're going to set this time aside and we're going to start to do some of these things and get cohorts together. I mean, it, you could easily do it. Um, teachers are important, right? Cause that's, you want to have good teaching uh, to help move it along. Um, and if you don't have a formal program in medical schools, which most don't, uh, honestly, I mean, you can reach out to your, to your medical school leadership and ask them, Hey, we want something. Can you, what can you provide for us uh, in, in leadership? And, you know, most medical schools will tap into their alumni or whatever, you know, to, to potentially. So if you're asking for it, just asking for it, maybe something that, you know, students start saying, Hey, we want some leadership training. If the school's not providing it, um, another thing is find someone who appears to you to be a good leader. You know, you've got one of your staff, one of the faculty you're working with, one of the staff on the, who's the teachers, um, and ask them to mentor you. You know, mentorship should be a voluntary. It's hard to force mentorship. It's got to be kind of on both sides. So ask them to mentor you and, and then ask for some little bit formalized. Like, hey, can we read a book together? Can we then discuss it? Because then, then maybe I'm going to go out and try to do something I've read in that book. And so we're talking at least a little bit about some of the principles, you know, that, that we're discussing um, that we do formally with our program, you could start to do as a medical student. Um, so that, that's probably as, as simple as I could, I could say for students, if I could, if I could get into every medical school and, you know, get this going, I mean, that would be wonderful, or I don't I have to do it myself, I can't, but somebody else go do that, just do this stuff, because it's, and I'll help anybody, give them any information, any resources, anything they want to help do it because I just think it's that valuable. And you mentioned books right there real quick. I just want to ask you before we finish for today, um, any books you suggest for leaders to read? What are some of the best ones that have influenced you? Wow, that's, that's so hard because there are so many. And it's funny, every book, it seems like when you read a leadership book, it it kind of that perfectly applies to me right now, you know? And so that book was awesome for what you know you were doing at that time. Um, essentialism was a great book. We did, we actually use essentialism in our last class, particularly starting out early, right? Oh, let's help me, let me help you. So that actually, you know, a great book. Um, let me, uh, there's a, there's a few that really impacted me because it was at the, it's where I was at the time. One of them, and he's, I think he's an excellent, there's, he, he writes a number of excellent books. Is Patrick Lencioni. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that name, but yep. he's written a number of different leadership books. And a lot of it's based in data. So very much analytical, very much research, but, and then simplistic in the way he, he talks through things. But one of the books that I read that really impacted me before I took command, I was a CEO of this NATO facility, was The Advantage. Um, and it's how you building, how do you build great teams and the importance of building great teams in, in leadership. It just happened to be the perfect timing for me. Another one that I, I, I think helps to people to understand that leadership's not about you, but it's the, about the people that you're leading is Simon Sinek's books, Leader is Eat Last. I don't know if you've heard of Simon Sinek. He also, start with the why, maybe his most prominent book. Everybody you know, talks about his TED, one of the most viewed TED Talks is Simon Sinek. And yeah, he's a, he's a fantastic speaker. Phenomenal, phenomenal, and I, and I like him a, a lot, but that book, Leaders Eat Last, and I'm probably a little bit biased because he uses, he actually sits down with the Marines 
and learns a lot about, you know, servant leadership. How do you help your, you know, your soldiers and succeed is, um, is a big part of it and gain trust and all those important things as a leader. That book is certainly influential to me as well. Um, there's a book, uh, Brene Brown, have you heard of her as well? I mean, yes, leadership and her book, Dare to Lead, what I loved about that, and she has a TED talk around that one as well, um, is vulnerability. So uh, to me, that's really important. And I think part of what we're doing in those first few sessions is asking people to be vulnerable um, so that when you're vulnerable, the, the, the power that that has in order to ask, even to ask for help. I think you were saying, Peter, people don't want to ask other people to help because it's, they get the recognition, who's getting the recognition, you know, I'm not the smartest person. We had a big conversation at one of our, you know, one of our sessions was, um, is it okay to give away expert power? Meaning, is it okay to ask your nurse, hey, I don't, what do you think, you know? Do they think less of you or do they all of a sudden think more of you and want to help you succeed? And then they might point out a mistake you're doing before you do it because they want you to do well, not they don't want you to fail. You know, oh, hey, you drew that up wrong or whatever. You know, I don't know. Hey, you didn't wash your hands, I, whatever, you know. Um, so she talks just being transparent and vulnerable, admitting to willing to make mistakes and willing to take help from others. Um, is really powerful as a leader. I, I believe for me, you know, again, that's, that's what works for me. Uh, our, our lead teacher who developed this curriculum over probably last 15 years or so. Um, and just a phenomenal teacher. It, this may be the best leadership, quite honestly, the leadership book for you is just it, what works for you. You know, what, what is it? learn the different things about leadership, but then spend some time on yourself. And then how do you lead in a positive way that it, it works? And, you know, he, he loves the fact that um, Colin Powell wrote a book and his book was, it worked for me. That was just the name. It worked for me. Right. I, very, very successful, but it was successful because it worked for me. It may not be exactly what's worked for you. Uh, sorry, I'm talking too long. Uh, Long with another, another book that was very impactful for me was It's Your Ship by, um, have you read, have you heard of that? Uh, it's, it's a, oh, I'm spacing on his name, Abershaw. Uh, any, anyway, we'll, it's your we'll ship. We'll add it to our, um, we'll add it to, we'll find it, we'll add it to our, our reading list resources. Yeah, you know, his, it's leadership <laughs> lessons from the best damn ship in the Navy was, was, you know, his thing. And, uh, and he started in a ship that was the worst and he made it the best. And he had all these ways to make, to be a good leader. And interestingly enough, you know, Doug, who's our lead teacher would tell you, that's probably, that's okay. And, and he's right. Um, he, he was very prescriptive in some things that he did that made him successful. So for example, he wrote a letter to every soul, you know, every seaman's um, sailor's parents. And he'd write him a letter and say, Hey, your sailor was you know, X, what's why they're good, congratulations. And it endeared the sailor to him and his parents. And he, for him, it was, he meant it, it was, it was meaningful. And he, so from, for, as an example of that, I started seeing my leaders down the road write letters to my parents. And I thought it, it was somewhat disingenuous because I knew that leader. They didn't have a great relationship with me necessarily. Um, so it, it, it was kind of interesting and some did it and I, I thought it was 
purely genuine and I, and I knew it was genuine, but some I was like, eh, you're doing it because you're checking a box, not because you've ever led me necessarily well in my mind. Um, so I think that's kind of the point of you can read a lot of different books. Um, some of it, it has to be genuine. When you go to do some of those things, it has to come out. It has to be authentic of who you are as a leader. If it comes up, if it comes across, if you treat everybody poorly and then you, you write a letter to their parents about how great they are, that's not, that's not genuine. Right. So it's, uh, that's kind of the point of some of these books. Um, and even that book, you know, I, it, it impacted me because it helped me think through how do I impact, not necessarily how do we use the things that that, that person did. Um, I'll probably think about others. I'll, I'll text them to your email them to your whatever. Well, you, well, you have my number now. So yeah. if I ever get a, a random book recommendation, I'll know who it's from. That's right. Um, but you, you, you mentioned Brene Brown and, um, I thought it was interesting because one of our, we, we break this, this podcast down into three series and one of them we titled inside out leadership. And it was based off the Brene Brown quote, who we are is how we lead. Yeah. There so you we go. thought, um, we thought that, you know, it's, it's incredibly important for, for people to turn the lens inward and, and really reflect and evaluate as you were saying throughout this entire yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, but Dr. Hughes said, I really wanted to thank you for coming and speaking to us today. I, to us today, I think, uh, there was there was so much packed into this episode. I had a great time. Uh, I don't know about you. I loved it. I feel like I talked way too much. I apologize. You get me talking about no, something no, no. I love and excited they, about. I, <laughs> they hear us talk all the time. This is this is uh this is your opportunity to uh, to get your word out to medical trainees all around. Um, yeah, I will tell you if you guys need anything, if you want anything, any of our resources, whatever, I'm I'm happy to share them with you. Um, and you can share them with, you know, if you want to do something at medical school and you want something, I, I'm happy to share it. Um, and anybody listening, you know, I, it's, uh, it's, you know, not one, no one person, no one group, no one way of doing this is going to reach all of the people out there. And so as many people as we can empower to help change medicine, uh, that's what I'm here for. Well, thank you so much. And I, I think it's all the time we have for now. But uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Dr. Husted. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leading the Rounds. We hope you learned something new or got a thought you can reflect on to further your own leadership development. If you like our content, please subscribe and follow. We work to put out a new episode every other week. You can also connect with us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Leading the Rounds or email us at leadingtherounds at gmail.com. See you next time on Leading the Rounds.